highlighting the lack of randomized controlled trials in the area. So we had uh, 15 studies in total, and these all studies, they compared rather uh, high variability of different treatment regimens. Thank you for joining us. It is ISN's pleasure to present the latest episode of the Global Kidney Care Podcast on the systematic review on evaluating interventions for minimal change disease in adults with nephrotic syndrome. This episode is hosted by Edmund Chung, Cochrane and Kidney Transplant Knowledge Translation and Dissemination Editor. ISN thanks him and the Cochrane and Kidney Transplant for their collaboration. So uh, welcome everyone and thanks for joining us on this podcast uh, through the International Society of Nephrology. My name is Edmund Chung. I'm the Cochrane Kidney and Transplant Group uh, Knowledge and Tra- Knowledge Translation and Dissemination Editor. And today I've got two authors of a recent Cochrane systematic review uh, evaluating interventions for a minimal change disease in adult nephrotic syndrome. So we have Elizabeth Hodson, as well as who's the senior author on this review, as well as Carolus. Um, uh, uh, Azukatis, uh, who's the first author, and please um, correct me with my pronunciation, Carolus. Oh, that sounds quite well <laughs> yeah. for what I'm used to. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> Thank you. Excellent. And definitely feel free to chime in at any time. But I thought I'd just start off by introducing the con- condition that I'm sure our audience is very familiar with. Uh, minimal change disease is a cause for primary nephrotic syndrome. It's the third most common cause of primary nephrotic syndrome in adults behind membranous nephropathy and focal segmental glomerular sclerosis. And even though the pathogenesis of the disease remains uh, incompletely understood, uh, there's definitely a role for the immune system, particularly T cells and now, now even maybe B cell dysfunction. So traditionally, immunosuppression such as corticosteroids has featured largely in the treatment of minimal change disease. But in terms of alternative treatments, uh, this has been largely based off studies in children with steroid-sensitive nephrotic syndrome, including calcium neuron inhibitors, uh, mycophenolate, cyclophosphamide, and even most recently, uh, rituximab, which is a CD20 monoclonal antibody. However, um, I guess the summary of the harms and uh, benefits of these treatments in adults with minimal change disease has, has not been uh, well summarized in general. Uh, and hence, uh, there was an initiative from the Cochrane uh, Kidney and Transplant Group to summarize the totality of this evidence. Um, the review that we'll highlight is actually an update of an, uh, of an original uh, Cochrane review in 2008 that Elizabeth Hodson was also involved in. So I hand over to Elizabeth just to, I guess, set the groundwork for why the Cochrane group decided to engage in this topic and um, and maybe a brief introduction of the initial study in 2008 before launching into uh, uh, a discussion about this 2022 update. Thank you, Edmund. Um, this um, uh, review was um, updated um, uh, as part of a, a, a generalized update of reviews that was carried out uh, before the uh, publication of the um, 2021 KDGO uh, guidelines for glomerular nephritis. Um, and the original uh, review was published in 2008. 
Um, and at that time, uh, there were only three randomized controlled trials um, identified, all looking at um, um, all looking at um, uh, steroid tr- uh, treatment, and uh, coming up with no uh, real conclusions. Um, but it did not appear that steroids were particularly effective. Um, the the review that we did. Um, there were some more studies, but still a disappointingly low uh, number of randomized control trials uh, in this condition, uh, with only 15 um, uh, identified overall in, in, with any in, in interventions, um, of which, which, um, with it, which included 769 uh, participants, not all of whom uh, could be evaluated in meta, meta-analyses. Um, so um, we we went on um, uh, from there, and I think probably um, uh, Carolis might like to talk a little bit about what we found. Thank you, Elizabeth, for the introduction to our work. Uh, indeed, uh, the number of studies that we could analyze wasn't that high, highlighting the lack of randomized controlled trials in the area. So we had uh, 15 studies in total, and these all studies, they compared rather uh, high variability of different treatment regimens. Uh, as you mentioned, Edmund, indeed, corticosteroids were considered to be the mainstay treatment, but if we look at the evidence point of view, there were only a few studies that uh, analyzed corticosteroids in a randomized control, controlled trial fashion, uh, namely two studies that compared them with no treatment with a very low patient number and very low certainty evidence that did not show effect actually, but the certainty of evidence was very low, including both adverse events and, and how the primary endpoint was reached. The other two studies looked at the IV steroids plus oral steroids versus oral steroids alone. And again, it suffered from low patient numbers and failed to show any superiority, any of the treatment modalities. I think what's also important to point out that we lack studies that would compare or try to establish different steroid protocols in steroid-sensitive disease. So we had only comparisons of steroid versus no treatment or IV plus oral versus oral only. So the majority of studies actually came uh, from those that comp- from that part that compared calcineurin inhibitors with or without steroids with oral steroids alone. And here we had the the highest certainty of evidence in our meta-analysis, which reached, which reached the moderate level. And uh, what we found with this moderate certainty evidence is that there seems to be little or no difference when you compare calcineurin inhibitors with or without oral steroids to oral steroids alone in terms of reaching complete remission or reducing relapse rate. And this comes with moderate certainty of evidence. But the important point is that uh, treatment employing calcineurin inhibitors appears to reduce the number and the frequency of adverse events, and mostly those associated with glucocorticosteroid treatment, which is obesity, Cushing syndrome, and acne. the number of events in all trials that analyzed this was quite low. So the evidence uh, certainty is also low. 
but this is probably the main finding that CNIs with or without steroids compared to oral steroids alone, although it doesn't seem to affect the occurrence, uh, the frequency of complete remission or relapses, it appears to reduce the number of steroid-associated adverse events. Uh, as, as speaking about other treatments, there were two studies on mycophenolic acid uh, with a low certainty of evidence, also suggesting little to no benefit. And unfortunately, one of the promising therapies that we have also introduced, rituximab, we had no studies so far, no study results, I would say, so far to be analyzed as there are two, way, two randomized control trials ongoing and we're still awaiting for the results that would be very important in terms of establishing best treatment options for the disease. So I think that would be the general summary of, of our main findings. No, excellent. Thank you for very detailed kind of background, Elizabeth, and as well as summarizing the results of this current study, Corollas. Um, I guess, uh, in terms of we, we, we've already established that there are definitely gaps in the knowledge base. Um, how do you think that this current study will influence treatment decisions, uh, do you think, uh, in the treatment of adults with uh, minimal change disease? And either Corollis or Elizabeth, feel free to chime in. I'll, I'll have a go at that first. Um, I, I would, I'm not sure to what extent it will influence it, because I imagine that um, that most clinicians have already moved uh, from uh, a, a regimen of, of corticosteroids alone to corticosteroids, to, to tacrolimus uh, or cyclosporin um, uh, together with steroids. I would have thought they've already moved to, to that um, um, regimen. I would point out that I'm a pediatric nephrologist, not an adult nephrologist, so um, don't actually know what they would do but i would i would think that that's what do i would also think they're probably trying uh microphenolate on the um, on the similar base basis although we in the few trials that we saw we didn't find any uh, differences between the the two two um uh, regimens um and i would also think that although there are no um, randomized controlled trials uh, uh, completed and published for rituximab that people are already using a rituximab in this condition um, on the basis that it's a it's a difficult condition to treat it's associated with a, a lot of, of morbidity and um, uh, mortality and uh, any efforts to get patients into uh, remission uh, should be should be tried um, but they're all uh, everybody is now working entirely on observational studies um, and, and um, case uh, series uh, rather than um, randomized controlled trials, which is very disappointing. Excellent. No, I definitely would agree. And Carolus, any additional thoughts? I think that the only thing that I could probably uh, add is that, well, our findings are in line with the latest Kedigo recommendations on minimal change disease that say that uh, uh, calcineurin inhibitors plus steroids would be the preferable option in those susceptible to steroid-induced complications. And this is supported by the evidence that although there may be no major effects on the, on the 
achieving primary outcomes such as remission, but uh, we can definitely with this regimen reduce steroid associated toxicity. So that's the only thing that... Excellent. And I definitely, uh, as an adult nephrologist, uh, though relatively early in my career, I do know that this condition relapses quite often and the cumulative dose of steroids uh, is very apparent uh, in terms of the complications that come with it as patients uh, continue to experience disease relapse. So calcineurin inhibitors are definitely the agents we tend to go to second line um, and if not uh, yeah, persist with to try to uh, uh, induce uh, or at least uh, maintain remission and some of us don't even remove them uh, to prevent the very frequent relapses. So it's good to know that at least it's as effective in terms of our randomized control trials in moderate certainty evidence compared to corticosteroids alone and that it it most likely reduces the steroid-associated complications. Um, I think we just uh, um, say, though, that the um, data um, from randomised controlled trials comes largely from um, patients being treated in their initial episode or okay. um, or from their first relapse. Uh, there, there, weren't, there weren't any studies um, looking at... Um, uh, of, of patients who'd had several relapses. Um, mm, mm. And do you think that uh, it would be important to, say, focus in this area or given that this is relatively rare disease, uh, that uh, any form of randomized controlled trials, including all comers, would be necessary uh, moving forward? I, I, I think the latter, except that you would need to... Um, uh, stratify the data, which would mean mean you'd need um, a whole lot more um, uh, more um, enrolments. So it'd be mm. difficult studies to do. Um, there, from what we could see, there was really no attempt to do international um, uh, studies in this condition. Um, and I think nice. that would be uh, largely because it's not a particularly common condition, um, yeah. and there are a whole lot of other. Uh, but more considered more important uh, um, studies to be done with randomized controlled trials. Mm. Uh, the the other problem, of course, is that um, uh, uh, except for rituximab, uh, well, even that, uh, these are all legacy treatments, and there would be no um, uh, funding for these from um, uh, pharmaceutical com company, companies. So if you were going to get funding for this, these sort of studies you'd need to get from uh, research organizations um, and uh, funding bodies from within governments and uh, um, which is a, a, that's always a problem for um, uh, uh, conditions that are not very common um, and don't have um, uh, really obvious new treatments yeah definitely well, it sounds like that um there are many challenges in this field to developing a better evidence base. So if I may, uh, I guess, entice you both with a, a hypothetical, if, you if there were funding available and understanding that this is a relatively rare condition where hopefully um, international collaboration is uh, well, it's necessary, um, if there was just one trial you could pick, uh, in terms of 
the ideal trial to to take it to the next step? What would it be? I'll let Carolus have a go at that one first. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's quite a difficult question, but some of the aspects that would be important were already touched upon. Mm. So first of all is... Um, looking at different subsets of patients, so which requires, as Elizabeth mentioned, enrolling sufficient number of patients into the trial. So it would have to have a design that would allow for this, considering the relatively low frequency of the disease. So this should be a multi-center international collaboration. And uh, indeed, a very important thing would be not only looking at the treatment of first episode, which was the predominant or first relapse, but looking at those, as you mentioned, Edmund, yourself, with the frequently relapsing course where accumulated doses of steroids become a problem and where we're interested in reducing both relapse rates and um, increasing time to relapse. So that would be one point, stratification and sufficient number of patients. And uh, I think that one of the important things would be, uh, probably if we would have the results from rituximab studies at least, that would be a bit easier because we should look for newer therapies that would uh, allow maybe to omit steroid use at all or at least, uh, and, and, and in an ideal scenario, would also be more effective. Hopefully, after the rituximab studies, uh, I could say that I will be able to say that these would should be the studies with a large number of patients treated with the rituximab. That would appear to be more effective, but we don't know yet. So uh, it's difficult for me. Otherwise, all the things like standardization, really defining steroid regimens to the detail and knowing exactly how the patients receive it, controlling for uh, concomitant medication use and so on. But um, maybe Elizabeth can elaborate on this further, I think. I, I would agree with every, everything that uh, Carolis has, um, has said. It would need to be a, an international study. Um, there may be um, some new um, methodology in the development of randomized controlled trials that could be be um, used. Most of it I'm not familiar with, but that that would allow um, uh, more people more people to be entered in the trial, perhaps sequentially, mm. um, and. But currently, um, based on what, I've, what we, we know, um, I think the, the most likely uh, uh, comparison would have to be um, uh, a, a CNI with, um, with prednisone uh, compared with rituximab or other medications similar to rituximab. Mm. Um, and using normal uh, RCT methodology, it would certainly have to be uh, a, a large international study. Um, and that sort of study, however important, uh, would be very difficult to, to fund, um, mm. I'm afraid. No, definitely. Um, but I think it's still important to highlight the need for yeah. international collaboration, which hopefully through the ISN mm -hmm. uh, will stimulate uh, our community to uh, hopefully... Um, engage with this important disease, albeit a rare one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Um, I guess from an adult nephrologist perspective, do you think that uh, it would be possible to combine uh, the pediatric cohort and adult cohort or because it's uncommon to biopsy the pediatric cohort, it, this would be uh, a challenging 
scenario. I wouldn't think that you would want to compare to 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 put pediatric and adults in together. I think the the diseases might look the same on on biopsy, uh, but they behave slightly differently. And particularly the adverse events are are much more of a problem with the adult disease um, than than with pediatric disease. Um, yeah. And I think it would be very hard to um, fire uh, to. Uh, um, to to get uh, uh, families, children to take part in that sort of um, uh, study when there are already uh, many uh, paediatric studies looking at the medications that we currently have. Mm. And really new medications, that, that might be different. But um, at the moment, the medications that we have, I don't think it would be justified to try and have children and adults in the same um, uh, study. Mm. No, yeah, definitely. I completely agree to Elizabeth and uh, it's first probably despite the similar clinical presentation or histological presentation, these are two different entities and and uh, children have their own peculiarities uh, in terms of response to treatment and susceptibility to side effects. And indeed, the evidence base in pediatric nephrotic syndrome is much more established thus uh, we have a little bit of different questions that we're aiming to answer at this point than to those that we just discussed for the adult disease, which is still how should we best treat even the first episode or uh, the frequently relapsing ones. Absolutely. Uh, and unfortunately, despite these differences which you highlight, we may still be as adult nephrologists looking at the pediatric realm when it comes to how to guide management for our patients. So um, are there any closing remarks that you guys wanted to make? Otherwise, I think this has been an insightful uh, discussion about this Cochrane review and hopefully it stimulates uh, not just better practice but also a desire to conduct high-quality research into the future with international collaboration. I, th I think that's what I, I would say is that um, the, the disease in adults um, justifies good, well-designed, adequately powered um, uh, studies in, in, this, in this group of patients. And we haven't got those um, to date. Mm -hmm. I can only say the same. I hope that this work might be a stimulation highlighting the need of trials and highlighting what what Elizabeth very well pointed out. So, well, excellent. Well, thank you for first of all completing an important systematic review in this space, as well as uh, summarizing it and hopefully guiding our community forward. Um, I'd like to thank everyone for their time and hope everyone got something out of this podcast. <laughs>